It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. I hope everybody is uh, having a good week and is uh, staying safe, washing their hands, and staying inside so that we can get back to having a... a normal life and, and go back to going to concerts. Uh, so let's, uh, let's all keep that up. The good work on that. Um, I'm flying solo this week. Chris couldn't be with me, but I've got a, a very worthy replacement. Uh, before we get to that, I do want to ask you to follow us on Twitter at digital killed and like our Facebook page, digital kill the radio star podcast and our Instagram page. And if you could go on Apple podcast and leave us a five star review, that would be greatly appreciated. So my guest this week is Jason Johannes. And I first met Jason, through uh, my other podcast, State of Amorca, and he came on to discuss uh, the Black Crows album, By Your Side, which is probably the most divisive album in the Black Crows catalog, and he did a great job on it, and he and I have kind of gotten to know each other a little bit uh, on social media, and I uh, found out he's a big Oasis fan, uh, like myself, which, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, there's a big carryover between Oasis fans and Black Crows fans, I've learned since uh, I started uh, the Black Crows podcast, but uh, anyway, Jason, how's it going? Hey, great, David. Thanks for having me on again. I'm really looking forward to getting on here and talking about Oasis. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be uh, going to be fun. Hey, um, real quick, uh, before we get into Oasis, you know, obviously you're a big Black Crows fan and and, and so am I. Um, and I, I, like I said, I really didn't know how much of a crossover there was between the two bands until I started actually the Black Crows podcast. Uh, there seems to be like a, just a, this weird kind of hey, we like these brothers that fight and they got these <laughs> brothers across the pond that fight and we just kind of all are seem to, to like the same music for the most part. I think you're right. I th- there's something mentally about having bands with brothers that fight on here. If you like one, you seem to like them all for some odd reason. I don't know. It goes well together. Well, how did you get into Oasis? What was kind of your first exposure to them? The first exposure to Oasis, actually, I remember, was seeing a Wonderwall video on MTV. And like, who are these guys? This is kind of not sound like any of the grunge music that's out in 1995 when that album came out. It really caught my attention. Uh, absolutely different. I had no idea they had an album out before that. And then just started paying attention to these songs. They kept releasing on MTV. I ended up buying the album. Love the album. Definitely one of the top 90s albums for me. And I, I really really close to an all-timer album to be honest with you did you go back in, at that point and get definitely maybe i did yep so i went back and got definitely maybe and definitely maybe is definitely a different album a little bit more raw a little bit more punk um you know just 
two different albums, really, when you kind of think about them. But I do like Definitely Maybe. But What's the Story of Morning Glory is definitely, um, definitely not Definitely Maybe, definitely a better album. Yeah, I go back and forth, honestly, between those two. It's just kind of what mood I'm in. I agree with you. The, uh, the first album has more... Uh, kind of more energy a little more energy a little more rawness um and a little punkish like it's got some punk to it yeah it does it does especially like some stone roses and stuff like that you know which they are mega fans of the second one i always i know a lot of people say be here now was kind of like this you know bloated you know massive album that just kind of they weren't who they really were in the past but the second one i think is kind of the sweet spot for them between because there's definitely some big arena rockers on there on, on that one and on the yep. next one they kind of i think took it too far at times but uh yeah i got on board with them uh i heard uh, my college radio station played uh, live forever and that's the first time i heard them so it was actually before morning glory came out and i was like wow this is really interesting stuff and a buddy of mine already had the cd and so uh listen to that and they just they're, they're one of these bands that's always there like you know, I, I may not listen to them for a couple of months and then I'll, I'll go on a kick, but they're always in the in that kind of rotation and just a, a great rock band that um, it's a shame they never achieved the success here that they did internationally. I mean, if they got back together right now, they there there would be places they legitimately could do 100,000. Um, oh, for sure. You know, at soccer stadiums. Maybe at Wembley. Why do you think they didn't get as big in America. I almost feel like they didn't want to be that big. And Liam has always acted like he doesn't like coming, coming over here. Have you ever kind of picked up on that? Like that's a really good question. So everybody loved Wonderwall, that song. Right. And I think everybody in America kind of likes to hear the same thing over and over again. So when they, they had new albums after that, like be here now, uh, it just wasn't the same as Wonderwall. There was no Wonderwall on it. It was a lot more produced, glitzy. And, man, American audiences, just, again, like, if it's on the radio on MTV, they want you cranking out the same thing over and over again. And because they didn't follow that formula, I think that probably hurt them a little bit. And also, to be honest with you, too, probably the attitudes of the brothers. You know, they've got a, um, a certain sense of humor. And it probably doesn't do well over in America for kind of how they act. So it probably turns some people off their music as well, too. Have you ever been fortunate enough to see them? I have not. I had tickets to see on the Brotherly Love Tour at Riverfront in in Cincinnati. And Riverfront is on a river. And it just so happened to be in a time of a lot of rain. And it got flooded out. So I could not go. One of the biggest disappointments uh, for a concert I've ever had. I was lucky enough to get to see them at the Tabernacle in Atlanta on the... uh heathen chemistry tour and uh i'll never forget it's like the first week of august it was probably 120 degrees in there it's the hottest i've just about ever been in my life but it was really cool because you're packed in there like sardines and then there's all these like union jack flags and then uh people (laughs) start yeah and so like they they were really late coming on the soundtrack of our lives i don't know if you're familiar with them they opened uh, it's a swedish kind of garage rock band they were really good i actually got i I really got into them are they like the hives no, it's more like a like a seventies garage rock. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they're they're really really good. They've broken up, but 
they were they were fascinating and so then there's this long lull and people are just hanging from the rafters and then people start you know the ole 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 all the soccer <laughs> chants and everything and there was all these Manchester United flags and so f- they finally came out and Liam had some you know smart aleck response to you know uh, <laughs> what took him so long to start all that but it was it was it was a great show I was I was fortunate I got to see him because I think it was like the next week Noel was in a car accident when they were when they were over here and had to like postpone the rest of the tour but um i didn't get to see them on that brotherly love tour and that would have been fun because they had those awesome encores they were doing like lucifer sam uh, stooges uh, down on the street stuff like that uh i i personally if the crow since the crows are back together or at least touring under that name there would be nothing that would make me happier if oasis got back together and they did that tour again oh it'd be it would be amazing sign me up for it take my money whatever it costs i would love to go and for some reason too those guys like reading gorman's book the brothers they all got along instead of fighting with each other at that point too i think they it sounded like they paired up with who who they liked from the other bands and it was a good tour and you know that that was one of those things that you would think that tour would be an absolute disaster given the personalities and everything it wasn't so bring it on i'd love to see them get on stage together and do some of each other's songs like Black, the Black Crows tend to do when people are on tour. Blackberry Smoke or Government Mule. That would be that would be pretty awesome. Can you imagine the Crows and Oasis playing like cigarettes and alcohol together? That would be oh, that's a man. match made in heaven. That would be some of that dirtier, definitely rock songs like cigarette and alcohol would be really good. Or they could, I don't know. Sign me up. Let's do it. <laughs> Who do we know that can get this done? All right, so the album we're going to talk about today is a B-Sides album. And if you're not familiar with Oasis, their B-Sides uh, at times are better than the uh, singles that they released. <laughs> um, you know, and being a Crows fan, uh, you can identify with this. They There's some real head scratchers on why they left certain songs off. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, 100% agree. You know, I... <laughs> It's amazing how good some of these songs actually are, and and to your point, how they were left off the album, particularly to some of the singles that they chose over that. And you know what what kills me even more though is I went back and looked at some music reviews for some pretty big um, magazines at the time, like Pitchfork. They gave it a three point seven out of ten, and Rolling Stone gave it a two and a half out of five. And I'm, I want to know what the hell were people thinking when they listened to this? They're they're just one of those bands that the critics are never going to enjoy. They, they 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 never are and when it comes to stuff like that i, I just i kind of don't even listen anymore because yeah. there's that there's that extreme rolling stone bias that uh you know if you're not part of the cool club it, it doesn't count and you, you know i mean the crows get terrible reviews you know but yet look at all the musicians right. that love the crows and love going to see the crows that's one of those yep. things that i always take into account is like what are other musicians saying you know about these guys and uh, you know uh, their attitude turns a lot of people off, but if you go see them in concert and listen to the records, they're they're really good musicians. But uh, I can't think of another B-side album by a band that is as stacked as this one. Oh, there, there's no way. I mean, honest to God, I, for this album, it's probably my second favorite album of of all the Oasis stuff, and it's pretty darn close to the tied for first. But it is, I mean, this is a fantastic album in its own right. And they were so unique. If you go see them, like in England, they'll play some of these B some of these B sides, even stuff that's not on the master plan. Like one of my favorites is "Step Out."
They'll play that with, uh, and the crowd goes just as crazy for it as they do Wonderwall. And uh, this was at a time when you know you were you were still releasing singles, whether it's on CD or, or cassette. Mm -hmm. And the B side was important in in some parts of the world. It wasn't that big of a deal here. If you were a big Oasis fan here at that time, you had to pay a lot of money to get those imports. Yeah, you did. There was a um, a record shop in Dayton, Ohio, where I was going to college called Dingleberries. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> it was, I think it was, it was also a head shop too, but it was a record shop and you could get some of those import singles. So I would go and, and get that stuff, get the Pearl Jam stuff, get the Oasis stuff and some of the other things. So I was lucky to hear a couple of these singles before uh, the Master Plan album were to come out. Yeah, I, I, I know I had heard a couple of them, but uh, for the most part, it was all new to me. And, and uh, this came out, this was right after Be Here Now, right? This no. was right after Be Here Now. This came out, and I have 1997 as the release of this right. album. All right, and so just a little back history on it. It, it, it was it was made up of B-sides from previous albums, and it sold over 2 million copies, which uh, by Oasis standards at that time was not a well... not a, That was a, a step back for them because they were... I've heard Noel say that What's the Story Morning Glory kept the uh, British economy afloat for five years. You know, because it sold so many albums. But for this to be a B-Sides album, that's still a really good number. Yep, yep. And by the way, I'll correct myself. This album came out November 3rd, 1998, not 1997. So off by a year. Uh, it doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. All right, so what we're going to do is, uh, you've heard on some of our podcasts before when I have guests on and we do this. We're just going to kind of go... Um, um, track by track and uh jason and i are both at the end of each track going to say whether we thought it should replace the single or not and so love that idea it's going to be tough uh, yeah might, that was that was get out of it i'll give you credit for that one all right so <laughs> the first song out of the bat off the bat is one of my favorite oasis songs how in the world this is a b-side i don't know is the song acquiesce This was a B-side to some might say, and it's unique in that Liam sings the verses and Noel sings the chorus. And Noel said that they had to do that because Liam couldn't hit the high notes. Um, and this is the first <laughs> song, like I said, they shared lead vocals. Uh, it's a top 10 Oasis song for me, and I'm going to go ahead and say it on the front end. It should have replaced some might say. So I th are you stealing my notes from me? Because you almost <laughs> were verbatim everything I said. Like, this is a top o Oasis track. Yes, it is amazing. I love the the Noel Liam verse chorus. I think it's it's fantastic. It has a huge hook in the chorus on this one that just grabs you, and I think that has a lot to do with Noel singing it. It's extremely catchy, and I, I would definitely crush some might say and replace this in a heartbeat. It's just it's just a really good song, and I love Noel. I actually like Noel singing better. So when he does that chorus and comes in on that thing on the hook, man, it just it just grabs me. All right, so here's my first hot take of the podcast. 
right. I think Oasis would have been just as big, if not bigger, if Noel was the the sole singer. I, you know, is that really a hot take? Because when he had to do that unplugged alone and came out and knocked it out of the park, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes to who actually the real talent of that band was. Yeah, yeah, I. I I'm in complete agreement with you. All right. The second song was a B-side to Don't Look Back in Anger, and that is Underneath the Sky. So Underneath the Sky, it's a solid song. Not spectacular, I'd say. Um, I would, uh, you know, it's it's a good B-side for the B-side album. It's not going to replace anything, and Don't Look Back in Anger is my famous, favorite Oasis song, so there's no way in hell I'm replacing it with anything. Yeah, I wouldn't replace it either. And kind of my knock on this song, it seems to be mixed pretty poorly. Yeah, and there's I think there's about two songs on the album that are mixed kind of poorly. I think this one and I don't know if it's Head Shrinker or there's another one later on where it just it sounds a little on the rough side. So that definitely detracts from it overall. Yeah, so underneath the sky you would not replace Don't Look Back in Anger no n- n- neither would I. I mean that's just foolish. All right, so we're getting up to one of the uh two, the next two songs I think are kind of like the jewels of this album. Uh, talk tonight uh, another top 10 oasis song from me and a little bit on the backstory they had come to america the first time and they were in i think la and liam and noel got in a massive fight and noel just left in the middle of the night and this was you know before cell phones and the internet nobody really knew where he was and he had met a girl at some other point that was from san francisco and he just went up there in the middle of the night and unloaded his problems on her and just you know he was literally like i just want to talk tonight um and it, you know after they just had to, they'd had a disastrous performance i think in la and that's what sent him off and um uh, it was a b-side to some might say and this for sure should replace some might say and there's very few oasis songs that i think are better than this one. Oh, so I'll tell you what, spot on again. So anything that Noel sings, I love. Anything that's stripped down, I love even more. You know, some of the overproduced stuff that they got into with a lot of strings, I no, no thank you. Like this stripped down, Noel singing, fantastic. Um, so again, I'm going to get bonus points for anything that Noel does and Noel does strip down. So I would absolutely replace. Some might say, even though some might say it's a good song and it's catchy, but I'm kind of with you on the whole whole digging Noel and, and digging the strip down approach. One of the things I think that gets lost about Noel Gallagher is, you know, he's got this reputation and, and, and he, you know, they write these great rock songs, but he has an ability to convey like vulnerability and tenderness with very few people I've ever heard be able to do that. Oh, for sure. And then his, you know, his brother kind of gets the punk soccer hooligan style going a little bit more punk, a little bit more nasally. He's not going to sing these a little bit more emotional broken down songs like that although you could argue maybe wonderwall but wonderwall is not necessarily a emotional sensitive um song no nothing like talk tonight all right so that leads us to song number four uh get your thoughts on going nowhere uh going nowhere again big hook big hook on this song when oasis was in their sweet spot boy oh boy they could write some songs with some big ass hooks that just get you sucked in and this is one of those songs um you know, I like Noel singing again, right? Killer hook, killer chorus. Uh, I would, this is, I believe this is taking over Stand By Me off of uh, Be Here Now, correct? Yes. So I would replace Stand By Me with this. Again, we've got Noel, we've got a big monster hook on the chorus. And yep, let's let's switch it out. Let's put that and replace Stand By Me. 
I'm in agreement with you. Stand by me's got to go. Going nowhere's got to go on there. Uh, uh, just um, an amazing, an amazing song. Another one of those ones that just showcases Noel's voice. All right, the next one is "Fade Away," and this is a B-side to "Cigarettes and Alcohol." Very. This is an upbeat song. This definitely sounds like is a B-side from the first album for sure because it's got that raw, almost punkish energy for it. Um, I like it. I think it's it's good. Um, it shows them a not quite polished, a very kind of starting off oasis. Why there's a good hook in the chorus. It's a little bit of a filler overall, and I would not replace it with cigarettes and alcohol. Cigarettes and alcohol stays. I'm gonna have to agree with you. Cigarettes and alcohol is one of my favorite um, uh, oasis songs. Have you ever heard the Rod Stewart version of it? I have not. All right, so there's an album you got to look at. Go look it up when we get done. It was. Rod Stewart, it came out in like 95, 96, and it's called When We Were the Young Boys. And for the most part, it's covers of young British bands. And so uh, huh. he does cigarettes and alcohol on there. And man, it sounds like it was written for Rod's early 70s Rod Stewart. Man, I love the faces in early Rod Stewart. So let's let's do that. I'm, I'm writing a note to check that out as soon as I get off this podcast. All right. And so I, like I said, this definitely needs to replace, uh, um, I'm sorry, Fade Away. Um, it was the B-side of that. I don't think it should replace that song. Um, I do like it. It's kind of an all-out rocker, but to me, yeah. it's, it's it's not mixed that well. And so you wonder on some of these B-sides, like this one, was that one that they just didn't spend a whole lot of time mastering because they knew it was just going to be a B-side. But then they take such good care of some of the other B-sides, so I'm not real real sure oh. that art. Right, yeah, this is definitely an early one. That's why, right? And maybe right. that is as they were get going in that studio for that first album, and just sort of decided that was not a track they wanted to do, so they didn't spend the time kind of mixing, mastering that one up. All right, the next one is kind of I think where they 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 hit a snag on this, the Swamp Song. It was a B side to Wonderwall. Obviously, this should not replace Wonderwall. No, and so they have a little bit of that. One, this song on on uh, what's the story morning glory leading into a couple of things and leading out of it not a fan on that and definitely do not like the extended live version they're trying i think they're trying to jam or do something these guys are not a jam band mm-hmm. it is super annoying i was listening to this album again this morning uh, with my family and my wife and my 17 year old son were like yeah no please turn this off so (laughs) (laughs) maybe this was something they could have done on the tour brotherly love with the crows and jammed a little bit on it and did something but it is it is this is not an oasis song and wonderwall's iconic you can't replace it all right so we're so far we're in agreement on everything all right the (laughs) next is uh i am the walrus this is obviously a a cover of a Beatles song and they're Beatles you know, Kool-Aid drinkers and there's a B-side <laughs> to cigarettes and alcohol. It should not replace cigarettes and alcohol. And I've read they were really, really drunk when they recorded this. And uh, you can tell when you can tell when you listen to it. This, this is not a good one to punch on this album. In fact, this is these are the weakest spots of the en- entire Master Plan album for me by far. If anything needs to go, it's these two songs. This starts out okay, again, like almost like a punk alternative version of the Beatles. But man, the end of the song is just brutal, where they're jamming a little bit, lots of noises. It is not good, and I would not replace cigarettes and alcohol. And in fact, this is probably their, their worst Beatles cover out of a bunch of Beatles covers that they've done. So, I, man, this, this isn't, I don't, I don't like it. Are you a Beatles guy? Um, I'm a Stones guy. I like the Beatles. I respect the Beatles. My mom's favorite band is the Beatles, but, um, this has nothing against them butchering a Beatles song, I would say, because I like when they've done Helter Skelter, 
Uh, you've got to hide your love away. Those are better versions. Then when Noel's done, all you need is love. Like those are actually good. I like those. But man, this one, especially the the ending, the instrumental jam ending, is just it's awful. I have to pass this one. Have you ever had the chance to see Noel in concert? I have not. He's come to Columbus, Ohio, where I live close to these days with the, the high flying birds. And then I think by himself this last time, I've just never been able to connect my schedule to see him. When I saw him, he closed with all you need is love. And it was, it was pretty cool. Did um, he do it acoustically or is it like a whole, the whole band thing? I think it was, he was playing an acoustic guitar and I think the band came in at the end. Uh, it was kind of a big, you know, celebration type song at the end. But, uh, yeah, uh, if you ever get a chance to see him, he's great. And I, are you a fan of the High Flying Birds? I love all their stuff. Oh, heck yeah, I do. I like those guys a lot. Much better than Liam. So I was listening to your bonus podcast on um, on the Crows podcast, and you you guys did awesome. That was great. You guys riffing for half an hour. I sided with you on everything that you said about Oasis the whole time on everything, and even Ian, too, on whose solo stuff you like better, who you like singing better. So it was... Uh, it was kind of funny going into this leading up to this Oasis one that I, I listened to all that kind of stuff and was absolutely agreeing with you guys. Oh, well, maybe maybe we'll find some disagreement at some point. Because um, uh, I think you and I have a lot more in common musically than, than Ian. Let's see. The next one is Listen Up. I have this as a nice melodic song, but to me it sounds like a lot of their other songs. Uh, it's a B-side to cigarettes and alcohol, and of course I'm not going to replace that. No, and... So a couple of things I want to throw out. Cigarettes and Alcohol has like three B-sides just on this album. And I think, what else do we have? Some might say also have three. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering why there are so many singles and B-sides for this one song. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I guess they would have called that a maxi single at the, back in the day, wouldn't they? Like yeah. you'd have, it. basically it's an EP that you're putting out. Yeah, it's like four or five songs. But going back to this song, yeah, this song is fine. Um, I like it. I really do like it. Uh, it's it's got a little bit of a frantic pace, a little bit of punk to it as well. It might and, you know it fits with the definitely maybe album, kind of the whole whole um, vibe of that. But again, cigarettes and alcohol is a classic Oasis. Um, you could almost slide this on on what's the story? Morning Glory. It might fit a little bit as well too. I like the solo on it. It's a good solo, but again, it's not replacing cigarettes and alcohol. All right, next up is Rocking Chair. Rocking Chair, love it. This is a great song. Man, another hook. Um, Stripped down again, like I said earlier, if it's stripped down, killer hook, I'm going to like it. Uh, And this is with Roll With It, the the B single to Roll With It. And guess what? Roll With It is a great song. I'm going to replace it. I'm going to put this instead of Roll With It. I love it. I love like how it, the fade in at the beginning. It's kind of a unique, unique way, to, unique way to start a song. And I love the acoustic guitar that's playing over the melody yeah. of it. Uh, like you said, it is a B side to roll with it. And I agree with you; it should definitely replace it. And this is a, a Liam song too, where it's sort of, um, and it's good. I like it. You know, I his voice works with it. All right, the next one is one of my favorites on the album, "Half the World Away." Half the world away. So this is where we're starting to get, I think, a little bit later on in uh, in the Oasis catalog. They did it a little bit later. Uh, another Noel song. It's acoustic. It's stripped down. Um, I've seen this unplugged on YouTube. It's got a nice organ outro on it. I love it. And I believe this is the B-side to a B-side or a single for a song called Whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And I like it better than whatever, even though whatever's kind of taken on its own life and its own legend amongst Oasis fans. Yeah, this is another great example of of Noel's songwriting, and just um, he just does the simple things really well. And uh, half the world away is it's it's a it's a great one. I wouldn't I wouldn't um, put whatever out over it for sure. All right, um, the next one is a song called "It's Good to Be Free," and it was also a B side to whatever. Yep. So again, this whatever I try to look up about whatever to see what it was. So it was a B side off of, or it was a bridge single between their first two albums and it came with its couple of its other b-sides which we're talking to about now i hadn't i knew nothing about it only way i knew about it was when they released their be here now um best of album i believe is that what it was called be here now is it their best of or is it called something else stop the clocks i thought stop the clock yeah there you go stop the clock that's right be here now was later on but so anyways interesting that this was a on this whatever um i I don't think this is anything spectacular on this song. The chorus picks it up a little bit. Um, so it was kind of recycled from a lot of other of Noel's guitar riffs on here, which so it, it dropped down for me on that one. And I would keep whatever over this one. On uh, It's Good to Be Free? Yes, sir. Yep. I'm going to agree with you on that, too. All right, so Stay Young <laughs> is uh, another. This is this is weird. It's never happened. Uh, Stay Young is was a B side to you, do you. Do you know what I mean? Which was the lead single off of Be Here Now, which was kind of their big overblown album. Um, this is actually one of my favorite Liam songs. I was like, the production is a little bit muddy, but the song is able to overcome it, and uh, I, I do really like it. But I don't think it should replace Do You Know What I Mean. But it that's I had to think on that one for a while. Congratulations, we're going to disagree finally. <laughs> um, I love the opening riff, man. It is a really good opening riff on the guitar. It's catchy, um, very upbeat songs. Again, it's got the riffing going. It's happy. It's It's got a nice hook in the chorus on this one. And I'm not a big fan of You Know What I Mean as a song, to be honest with you. And I'm not a big fan of that album. So I, this is what I would replace it. And just for that big monster hook and the riffing in the song, I would definitely replace it. All right, so we have one disagreement with two one songs. One disagreement in 12 songs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so the next one is Head Shrinker, and this was also a B-side to some might say, which I feel like half this album was. Uh, I have the intro as a ripoff of Stay With Me, and um, I have that, uh, that it's another song that's so noisy that it hides the weakness of Liam's voice at times. Uh, I got Noel is much better at the slow to mid-tempo numbers, but uh, I have on here, this is a throwaway and should not replace some might say. Well, if you can see some of my notes, they're really sloppy, but I said some of the same stuff on here. Uh, you said it was Faces. I actually said the beginning of the song was a little Stones-ish, a little bit of a Stones ripoff, which is, again, you got the Faces. You could even say the Black Crows a little bit with some of that stuff, but a little ripoff of that. But once you get in the song, it's definitely not face the Faces or the Stones. Uh, it's a little bit of a throwback. I got it. It's, it's definitely kind of that 90s, early 90s punkish sound mm -hmm. with it um i like the solo but just it's not a great song overall and some might say is a really really good catchy song and i would i just yeah this one's just this this one shows that it should have been a b-side and, and not on an album all right so the last one which noel gallagher has said this is the greatest song he's ever written this one's gonna be uh this one's gonna be a tough one here i'm gonna let you <laughs> i'm gonna let you talk about it first and then i'm gonna read my notes okay well, again, we've got Noel singing, so we're going to hit on some familiar themes here. Noel singing. It's acoustic. 
Um, it does have the strings on here, though. I'm not always a fan when Oasis brings the strings in because I, their albums after What's the Story, Morning Glory, they started overproducing a bit. But that works here for me. Um, could have absolutely been on the album What's the Story, Morning Glory. Um, it is amazing song. Nowhere near as iconic as Wonderwall. Wonderwall's iconic. It brought them into the fold of America, made them what they are. So you can't, you can't face that. You can't drop it down. But for me, I'm replacing Wonderwall, and I'm going with the song, and I'm, I'll fight you over it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. This is a top 10 Oasis song for me, and I have on here, Noel really shows off his songwriting and his singing chops. That to, I, I agree with you. The strings add a lot to it. Um, but I have, this should have never been a B side and I have, it gives Wonderwall a run for its money, but ultimately I'm going to have to go with Wonderwall. And that's very fair because again, Wonderwall is really what, what put these guys on the map. So I'm going on pure music and enjoyment and all that. Cause again, you, Wonderwall is a damn iconic song. And I keep using that term over and over again, cause I've got a friend, Brian Weaver, who we make fun of for using that. So I try to use as much as possible cause he's going to listen to this. Um, Wonderwall is just an amazing song. It's great for what it is, but I think as a, as a song overall, though, this is better. Again, Noel takes the lead on it. I like the stripped down stuff. Good chorus. Another, another, just a big hooky chorus that just sucks you in. And this, this is a top three Oasis song for me. I go, um, don't look back in anger, um, acquiesce. And then this song, my top three. So two of your top three Oasis songs are off this album. Yeah. Like and, I said, this is my second favorite album of all Oasis. And this is kind of their first, I guess you want to say, almost epic type song. This is a really, really big song. Um, and I, I know he says it's the best song he's ever written. I personally think that he had a, a on um, two albums. No, it was his last full album. Um, he had a song on there called Dead in the Water, which I thought was really, really good, that I think may be his best actual song he's ever written. But it's hard to argue with him on this one. And Do you think maybe it just didn't fit on What's the Story, Morning Glory? Like It, it did. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's kind of like um, uh, if you were to put Tied Up and Swallowed on Amorica, uh, the Crows album Amorica, it just wouldn't fit. And I kind of feel like this just wouldn't fit like musically or thematically with, with that album. You're 100% right. So this is, to me, a precursor to some of the stuff on Be Here Now, that the big overblown, um, like, what was it all around the world? Yeah. Where they really tried to take Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and make it their own. This is not as overblown and overproduced like that by, by any means, but you could see where they were starting to go. And this is brought back to the house enough to really resemble the type of Oasis music I like. It's, it's big, but it's not that big. And, man, I just... I freaking love this song. It's like it's a perfect closer. I do too. So basically, we're kind of we're pretty much in agreement that there's just there's there's like three or four on here maybe that are, that aren't that great, but the rest of them sh- should all have made an album. Yeah, if you take the Swamp Song off and I am the Walrus, which are funny because they're both live versions, take those off. Maybe bump up um, and remaster uh, "Going Nowhere" a little bit, or some of the others. You know, some of those other songs too that are quite produced to where they need to be. That are a little more raw. You're going to have a smoking album, and one that's going to give um, "What's the Story, Morning Glory" a real run for its money. I think overall. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Um, this is one that I wish they would, uh, if they got back together, it'd be kind of fun if they did some of these like nights where they did like a five night residency and they would do an album from beginning to end. I would, this is one of the ones I would pay to go see. Oh, absolutely. This, this would be, you know, you take this album, you take a couple of the clunkers off, you add some of the best stuff from, um, definitely maybe. And what's the story. And I, I don't know if you could have possibly have a better night of music outside of a black rose concert. <laughs> I'm in, ag- <laughs> I'm in agreement with you. Uh, so you did say you like Noel solo stuff. Um, it appears that now he's just in the business of releasing EPs. Yeah. And I haven't, I didn't really get, again, I listened to your podcast again. And it sounds like I'm, co- I'm copying you guys, but his last, whatever he's been releasing, it's not really, not really jiving with me. I would say this is not my thing. Well, there's there's a couple of things that uh, let's see. I'm gonna pull it up right now um, that you should try that that are kind of okay. like the they're on these like EPs. There's a song called uh, I think it's called Sail Away that's really really good. It sounds like classic Noel um, stuff, but uh, yeah, you know he's going a little bit more of a modern, almost like dance type direction. But uh, Who Built the Moon? I really liked. I mean, he, you know, he kind of said, hey. You guys are gonna to have to like trust me on this one, and, and I and and I enjoyed that one. So um, I, I prefer his stuff much more over Liam's. I do too, even though Liam's stuff is not quite as experimental here on the later things. But I just I'm a I'm a Noel fan. Liam's fine, but man, anytime Noel can sing one of his songs and do it, I'm always going to side with him. And the fact too that he showed up his brother on the Unplugged set on MTV really. That's where I became a huge fan. Um, has nothing to do with my favorite song being um, um, blanking on it. On, on, uh, don't look, don't look back, in back in anger. Thank you. <laughs> so much going on in my head. Don't look back in anger. But he showed me his true talent. I love it. Like I know he writes the majority of the songs or has written the majority of songs. And I, if it's got Noel, I'm into it. I'm, I'm ready to go, except for his dance stuff that he's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, this has been fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I love chatting with you guys. I'm sorry we agreed on a lot of things, but I think a lot of our musical tastes line up with each other. Yeah, so we'll have to do this. Uh, we'll have to do this again. Uh, you can uh, send me some albums, and because uh, I'm I'm trying to get as much content out as I can, uh, because uh, so many people have downtime and uh, want to listen, want something to listen to, and want something to hear other than this dang virus. So. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you, you know, taking some time out to do it. And so, uh, as we do on the state of America podcast, I'm going to let you pick the play out song. So what's, what's going to play us out this week? Well, I'm a sucker for strong closing songs and albums as, as we did on the state of America podcast. I chose virtue and vice for by your side. And for this one, we're going to close it with the master plan. All right, everybody. My thanks to Jason Johannes. And here is... Oasis playing the master plan. Take care.
Take the time to make some sense Of what you want to say And cast your words away upon the waves And sail them home with acquiesce On a ship of hope today And as they land upon the shore Tell them not to fear no more Sing it loud and sing it proud today And then 